Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. My first thing that I would tell anybody that has this air above them, this this heavy feeling, this big giant gorilla on their back that's called debt, is that you gotta sit down with pen to paper and write down all the things that are causing it. That felt good. That was the first time where I felt like I was kind of coming out of my, like I needed to gamble. I was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. This, this, is, my new, this is my new addiction. I'm gonna pay off credit cards and start building up our wealth. And once I saw that first credit card start coming down, I was like, okay, my goal in life is to be debt-free. I don't want to owe anybody any money. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year, we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today's episode features Brett Johnson. You can find him on Instagram and elsewhere at brettjohnson11. So this is a part two episode. In part one, we focused primarily on a product that him and his wife created with their company called Team Johnson. He created a product or him and his wife created a product called the Push Planner. And many longtime listeners of this show know that I am a super fan of the planner. Go check it out. Um, I've done many shows um, on that product. But today's episode is a little bit of a departure from um, a typical interview that I do, he mentions very candidly that he had a gambling addiction in the last episode. And I asked him if he would be willing to come back on the podcast to talk about how he was able to get out of the debts from the gambling addiction into the wealth that him and his wife have created now. And he said, sure. So we literally went through step by step every single thing that he did to climb out of the debt and into financial freedom. I really think you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, 
Here is an amazing interview with the one and only Brett Johnson. Brett, welcome to the show. Hello, how you doing? I'm glad to be back. I am super excited. You know, this is a part two, and I've only done um, maybe two or three of these. And I'm super excited because one of the things you mentioned in the last episode was that you had to figure out how to sort of like claw your way out of a heap of debt, financial stress, et cetera. In your case, you were willing to share a gambling issue. And that sort of addiction. led in <laughs> addiction. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that. I'll let I'll let you I'll let you label it. And I just, you know, it was one of those things where I knew that it's really deserved its own episode because so many people listening are in lots of different stages. And money is one of these topics where people just, they don't want to talk about it and they don't want to, you know, they want to talk about it, but they don't want to talk about the truth about the debt they're in or the student loan debt or, you know, the gambling addiction or mm-hmm. the second mortgage on the house. And, and, and they, you know, they see guys like you and, you know, super successful. And, you know, they watch your Instagram stories of, you know, look at my home on the beach and, Mm -hmm. you know, they see giant launches that you're doing and they don't think that, you know, there was a time where that wasn't always the case and you had to kind of claw your way out of it, you and your wife. So Mm -hmm. in this episode, I'd like to give people who may find themselves in similar situations, maybe some strategies that they can use to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So what I think may be a good starting point, I, I, I sort of wrestled with the number and you may tell me, hey, look, the number doesn't really matter. You know, it's all, it's all different. But I want to uh-huh. paint it from a $250,000 debt, not house debt, but let's call, let's call it $250,000 and it could be any mix of anything mm-hmm. that's outside of, you know, maybe a business loan or... Yeah you know, a mortgage, you, you get the idea, yep. credit card debt yep. or just, yeah. just shit There's, you got to get off. Your there back. could be, there could be, um, college loans, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, you know, in preparing for this, I, I didn't really know how to ask questions because I don't know what your system is or how you begin. And I know you've got a 21 day plan that you've mm-hmm. put together. I don't know that you formalized it. I don't know that you have any products no. around it or anything. No, but, uh, that was uh, uh, just a little thing that we did at the beginning of the year, kind of like a kickoff the uh, new year. Um, I, I get asked quite frequently since um, Shalene and I had, had worked through our all of our problems with um, our marriage, our financial issue, all, all those things. We worked through them through therapy. You know, we used a form of therapy. We talked about this last time on the last show called uh, EMDR. Yeah. And... Once I was good with my addiction and we both had, you know, kind of gone into the valley and then came out on the other side, right? And uh, and our kids were old enough. We wanted to share with our kids the experience that that happened. Now, that, now both of them would say they didn't even know what was going on because we didn't like, you know, fight in the house and we didn't talk about it in front of them. So they both were kind of in shock when we told them what what was going on, you, you know, seven eight years ago. 
And we thought that was really important to tell them because I was going to start sharing that story and Shaleen was going to start sharing that story about how we came out of financial basically ruins, uh, half a million dollars. So kind of double your number that you want to talk about today. But so it was $500,000 that we had accumulated in debt through my gambling addiction, through just, you know, not not focusing on business, you know, not honing in on one thing, doing too many things. And so we kind of really had to sit down and it was, it was pen to paper. The, the first thing, Rob, it was literally, let's write it all down. Where is all this debt coming from? And you, you have to do that. So my first step, my first thing that I would tell anybody that has this air above them, this, this heavy feeling, this big giant gorilla on their back that's called debt, is that you got to sit down with pen to paper and write down all the things that are causing it and where it is. And, and if it's credit cards, like you said, you got to figure out what, what those interest rates are on those credit cards because there are a lot of, there's lots of ways out of it, but you got to have a plan. And I'm happy to share with you our plan. If that's the direction you'd like to go, I can I can give you some of my tips that are kind of broad, and I think your audience can apply uh, um, these tips. I've I've I, I know they're successful. I, I'm not, you know I didn't create all of these. I've I've listened to um, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, and I've read Tony Robbins's book and Jim Cramer's book, and I've kind of put like all of their best tips and I've kind of made them my own and I've taken a little bit from each one of them, but I've kind of created my own way to do this. Okay. That's perfect. Let's, let's sort of pick it up from the, the point where, you know, you guys, you guys have had the conversation and you're like, we've got this debt, we've got to get out of it. Where do we begin to get this elephant off our chest? And just for the sake of perspective, how long ago are we talking? It was 12 years ago. Okay, got 12 it. years ago. Okay. So it's tw- 12 years ago. We found ourselves in that debt and trying to work our way out of it. So about, right. about so 2007, the- 2008. Perfect. Where is step one? Step one was to, um, it, it was a lot of it was credit card debt. So running up credit cards. So that was step one for us. And it, 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 a lot of this depends on the time and, and, and what you're, what, what you have financially. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to assume people don't own their house right now, Rob. That's what I'm going to, yep. I'm going to assume that we're talking to people that don't have equity in their home or anything like that. And that's a whole different strategy, but let's just talk yep. about credit card debt. Okay. Um, I I'm competitive and I think most entrepreneurs are, I think we talked about that last time on the podcast. Yeah. You- yeah, that's that's uh, you. You actually educated me with um, how you can be competitive within gambling. So yeah. it's sort of it's sort of interesting how you approach that. So I took I took the same approach after you know kind of listening to all these people and reading things that we need to get rid of this credit card debt, and I knew that I needed to see a win, right? And that's from my competitive spirit. It's from the gambling thing because I wasn't completely like addiction free at that time or you know like had it under grasp i was still doing therapy i was still working through my demons and 
I took those credit cards and I wrote down the balances on each one of those credit cards and also the interest rate. So as a math person, I figured out, okay, well, obviously the worst credit card here is the one that's got a 26% interest rate, right? And the one that's the best one here or the, you know, the best, the lesser of all evils is the one that has 14%. So what I do is I just put those in order from highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate, right? And I focused on the top one. I focused on the one that had the highest interest rate. So what I would do is pay the minimum balance on the other ones and put as much money as I could is you know when you're trying to get debt free you don't do anything else you focus on that debt so there was there was a time when Shalene and I did not go out to dinner we did not you know we didn't do the expensive date nights we didn't exchange gifts it's we we focused all of our energy on paying off that debt so uh, let's just go with a rough, rough ground number let's say we had uh, $500 to um, allocate to the credit cards that month, right? So uh, if all the minimum balances were like $50, you'd pay, you know, the first three $50 each. So that would be $150. You would take the other $350 and apply it to that highest percentage credit card. What that does is you're going to start paying off that credit card faster, which is the smart thing to do because it's got the highest interest rate. But then, but the most important thing is you're, you're going to pay it off faster and you're going to get that win because that was like aha moment when that first credit card got paid all the way down and it was like, we could cut that one up. Like it was done. And so that was, that was, that felt good. That was the first time where I felt like I was kind of coming out of my, like I needed to gamble. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can do this. This is, this is my new, this is my new addiction. I'm going to pay off credit cards and start building up our wealth. So you assigned, you know, to use a Dave Ramsey word, I think he calls it a snowball. So you assigned a number that you were going to pay above and beyond that went to one credit card until it was knocked out. And in your case, you chose to go with the higher interest rate. And I think Dave Ramsey says, go with the smallest balance. Is that right? I believe so. I, and it would do in his way as thinking too, is like, you're just getting rid of them. So you're still getting yeah. that win, but yeah. In my case, if you have a 14%, this is just where people are different. If you have a 14% interest rate and you have a 28% interest rate, I don't know. I think I want to pay off a 28% interest rate before a 14. Yeah, it's just, got it. You're, got it. You're, you, you keep accumulating debt when it when that happens. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to get ahead of that uh, curve. Okay, got it. Yep. All right, so once that is done, how long does it take to get out of $500,000 in debt. Like what does that number look like on a monthly basis that you have to throw at it to get that thing paid off? Well, fortunately, that $500,000 that that we had accumulated in debt, we we were still running two successful businesses, actually three at that time. So there was money coming in like I like I still had money coming in. I was just using more of it to to gamble. So as soon as gambling stopped, Rob, because that was my addiction. So as soon as gambling stopped, there wasn't a bunch of money going out every single month. I hope that makes sense. Um, So I was using our income that was coming in and it was going out the other side with 
with gambling. So my that $500,000 wasn't like I lost it all in a weekend. It, it, it accumulated over time. Well, I was going to say, so how long does it take, even though you have money coming in, 500000 I mean, I guess it's all relative. It just depends on how much, how much money is coming in. But mm-hmm. how long us, does a it year. take? It took, us, it took about a one year. That's amazing. And was, yeah. that because, was that because there was so much cash coming into the business? Or well, we still like, had to what? pay, you know, I mean, you, you, you still have to pay taxes and such. So, I mean, we, you know, we were making money. It was just that our focus was going to be on that credit card debt. So I think that if we wouldn't have focused on that, it might have taken two or three years. But we, you know, if we, you, you know what I'm saying? Like if I just stopped gambling and we went about it a different way, we would have paid it off, but it might've taken two or three years, but we got, we got freaking laser focused on it. I did, especially when I saw that first credit card go down. When I saw that first credit card of, uh, it was roughly about 75 or $80,000 on it. When that credit card went down, that was fun. I, I, I was like, okay, this is, this is good. I can, I can do this. And it took about a year. And during that year, I started to learn about how to save and invest. Cause I knew that once I had paid off all this debt, that we were going to start having a lot of money coming in. And I needed to switch my focus from working and gambling to working and making our money work for us so that we didn't have to work so hard. All right, which I want to talk about next, but I want to make sure that I'm clear on the on the uh, the debt reduction. So, mm-hmm. was there a specific number that you assigned to it as you started paying things off? So, for example, if you've got an $80,000 credit card and, you know, the minimum payment on that is a couple of hundred bucks a month, did you just mm-hmm. add that few hundred dollars a month to the next payment and allow it to kind of like you know, snowball into just giant payments that you were just paying off. Yes. Is that that's how you? Did yeah. It? So it was literally at the end of the month, or at the end, you know, when that if that bill was due on the fifteenth, then if we had eight thousand dollars that wasn't needed to run our business, pay our employees, pay our house, that eight thousand dollars went to that credit card. So you just took every freaking thing you could, you stayed home, you didn't go out, you got real clear that this was something that you and Shaleen were going to do together and you were all in. Let's talk psychology because so much of, uh, so much of finances is, uh, is mindset, right? It's behavioral because the numbers are one thing, but you know, when you are feeling overwhelmed or stressed or depressed or just, you know, pissy about your life and this giant debt that you're in, it's easy to say, you know, fuck it, let's just go out and let's go have a great dinner, have some wine. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're what, like, what's $501,000 going to do? Yeah. You know, like, this, you know what I mean? It's easy yeah. to get into that sort of mindset. Yes, and, and it's also easy to have starts where you're like, we're good, you know, we're doing great. And then, you know, six weeks later, you lose momentum. So the question is, how were you able to be consistent with it and not lose sight of what you were after? One, and the second part of that is as the credit card started to uh, go from $80,000 in debt to let's say you see on your credit card that now, oh, look, I have $40,000 available because I just paid $40,000 off. Mm -hmm. How did you change the behavior and how did you stop it from continuing in the future? 
So we had an American Express card that is the funny story. I have, I've been a member of American Express since 1990. So I got my first credit card when I was 20 years old. And the reason yeah. why I bought it was because they had a promotion that if you were in college, you could fly, um, you could get buy one, get one free. Yep, so I that's how that. Shalene and I would fly home for spring break. Yep. And so I had that American Express. So as you know, and I don't know if your listeners know this, but American Express, you have to pay off every month. Yep. So that American Express card became like our business, you, you know, our debit card. Like with this, we knew we had to pay that one off every single month. So, so that credit card was kind of like the start of um, money management, the way I do it now, where I'm always consistently debt free. So I would pay off that American Express and I was even paying that American Express off every single month when I was in my addiction. So that was kind of like a house payment to me. So I just focused once I was able to get one of those interest rate credit cards all the way down to zero, I just cut it up because I knew I always had my American Express and I knew that's the lifestyle that we wanted to have where we were like at the end of the month, we didn't owe anybody any money. So that was just a decision that we made. We sat down, Shalene and I sat down as a couple and we were like, okay, what is what do we want this to look like as this deck? Because we, we're pretty focused people. And when we set out to do something, we do it. And I knew we were going to get through this. And I knew because I was going to therapy, Shalene was going to therapy. We were focused, we had a plan. And once I saw that first credit card start coming down, I was like, okay, my goal in life is to be debt free. I don't want to owe anybody any money. I'm so crazy that like people vendors give me uh, 15 days to pay something. I just pay it the first day because I don't. I just don't want to owe anybody any money. So I went 180 the other way. So focus on that credit card, get them paid off, and then just go to a system where you are paying off your credit every single month. You know, what I'm hearing is in both of these interviews that you have a little bit of an obsessive kind of personality. I'm just kind yep. of throwing that out there. And I think what you've learned to do is leverage that obsessiveness into your your favor. Yes. So I, I, I was destructive with it, but now I'm, what, it would be constructive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, now I'm back on, I, I've... I've changed in the last year and a half, Rob. So this, my flow always changes and I always look for the, for the best way to do something. So once we got out of debt, I was really like hardcore for four or five years. No, more than that, probably eight years that I, I was like debt free, like pay it off, pay it off, credit card, pay it off, credit card, pay it off. And I'm still that way. I don't have one revolving debt credit card, but here's where I changed. I don't think that if you if you're disciplined and you and you have Brett 2.0 mentality and you're going to pay credit cards off every single month you are not being responsible if you are not using a cashback credit card. If you're not using a credit card that is giving you cash back at the end of the month for purchases then you're throwing money out the door. And I say that because so many people these days use a debit card, right? A debit card, you can only use what's in your account, correct? Yeah. But if you switch that mentality and you use, and I, 
I have five I, I can share with you. I've, you know, I've done this research. I have five really great ones that give cash back, you know, anywhere from two to 4% on some purchases. And at the end of the month, do you know what, do you know what the average, this shocked me. Do you know what the average American spends monthly on credit cards? No clue. $6,800. Wow. That's a lot of money. That's like, that's, that's a lot of money. That's like a 70,000, 75 to $80,000 a year on credit card. So that means people are using their credit cards, you, you know, to pay off, you know, to pay for things. So why shouldn't you be getting cash back? And people are like, Oh, I, I have a, I have a, uh, one where I get miles for flying. I'm like, buy your ticket. Right, the airlines got the airlines have that wired. I mean, you 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 fly to Vegas and they and they why, why would I choose Vegas? <laughs> you fly to uh, New York and they charge you you know eighty thousand dollars or eighty thousand points for a flight. I'd just rather get the money, the cash, and then pay for the flight rather than getting miles. So I mean, you need to get a cash back card, and if you're especially if you're disciplined and you're going to pay that credit card off every single month like you're supposed to. It doesn't make any sense to get a cashback card if you're not going to pay it off because you're going to pay more in, on the credit card interest. So, but it's, it's, it's been a huge, like for the last year and a half, it's been, it's been great for Shalene and I. Okay, so one of the things that I've heard you mention in the past too in this area is that you got real diligence on recording in an app every single nickel and dime that yes. went out. Can you kind of like... Yes. Talk about how you did it. What app did you use? What did you learn from it? Do you still do you still do it? Just kind of like talk me through that. I don't do it anymore. And I started this back when there wasn't really great apps. So I created my own little note. Like you know, I opened up my iPhone and I created a note. So yeah. it was kind of like my own personal app where I knew exactly it sat right at the top. It was the first thing that I saw every single morning. So when I click on it, I could see all the expenses, what we owed. And that was kind of my way to every single morning. I literally, I still do it today, even though we're, you know, debt free. I check every account. I know where all of our money is. And so it's just become a habit. You know, it only takes 30 days to create this. And I've been doing this for, you know, 12 years now. But I do have well, some great. Well, let me apps. make sure I'm following. Let me make sure I'm following you. So when you say that you're looking at everything, it's are you saying like you you you're looking at the bank account balances now, or are you saying that back then, which I think is probably better to ask you? Yeah. Back then, did you have a list of all the debts and you looked at the debts every day, or what was your procedure? I looked back at the debt. Yeah. So back back twelve years ago, I had in my notes app on my Apple phone. Um, yeah. I had every single spot where we owed people, whether it was a vendor or a credit card. Okay. So if, so if at that time, <laughs> let's, let's go way back. So we were using, you know, we had a fitness company, we were creating, um, exercise programs and we had, you know, buying thousands and thousands and thousands of DVDs every single month. 
Yeah. So I had them as, you know, I owe them, I know I'm going to owe them $27,000 at the end of the month. I literally had that thing and it was just constantly, you know, I would constantly just delete the amount and put in the new amount and change the month. And, you know, so I knew exactly where we were. So it was like literally Schling could walk in the door and say, how much money do you think we're going to have at the end of this month? And I literally could open that app up and go, you know, in a matter of five minutes, know exactly where all our money was going. So it was both ends of the spectrum. It was it was who you owed as mm-hmm. well as what you knew that was going to be coming in. Yeah, because that was important because how you needed to know what kind of month you were going to have. It, and it was you needed to see the whole spectrum, not just the debt. You needed to say, like, oh, we're gonna get this much money in. We had a subscription to you know, a subscription to our, our DVDs. So I knew how much money was going to come in every month. I, I, I mean, I, I knew our numbers so intimately. And that's another reason why I knew that we could get out of this fast. Cause I, so it's, because it's almost like you had, so there's two things that come to mind. Sorry for interrupting, but there's two no, things that come ahead. to mind. One is most people, when they're in this stage, they're, they wear blinders and they don't oh, want to yes. look at their bank. They don't want to look at their bank account. They don't want to look at their credit cards and they just are blindly going through life and it doesn't get faced. Number mm-hmm. one. And number two, rarely, unless a bank asks for it, like for a mortgage or something like that, do they create any kind of profit and loss statement to see where they are? You flip Correct. the switch. You went the opposite and you went, I am going to do a daily PL. And I'm going to look mm-hmm. at this thing daily because you are, it sounds like you are attacking the debts in the way that you tackle somebody on, like you did in the football field. Yes, I, I 100%. My training growing up, being a quarterback and being a point guard and being strategic and being a leader in general, like it was just f- flip the switch and go to a different direction. And I just got crazy invested in getting our family to a financial spot that we, that, that we should be at. Like it was, it was my responsibility. I got us into this. So I, I knew I could get us out and you know, I'm doing therapy right alongside this too. So I was crushing during this time. I mean, I was focused. I was laser focused and yes, Rob, it 100%. I knew our numbers backwards and forwards and you couldn't, nobody could trick me. Nobody could like, I knew where everything was coming in and you are a hundred percent right. When you said people put their blinders on and they just don't want to look at it and they just kind of like keep going through life. And if you do that, you're just going to keep on accumulating debt year after year after year. You got to open your, you got to take those blinders off and you got to, you got to write everything down and you have to have that in front of you. And this day's unbelievable. I'm sure there's a perfect app for it now. I'm sure, like you said, Dave Ramsey or one of them have a great app for it. I have a couple apps that do like budgeting and, and stuff like that. Um, but if you don't write it down and have it in front of you every day, you're not going to get out of debt. That's my, that's my belief. All right. When you started writing it down, were you like going into Starbucks and going, you know, in, into the grocery store and were you asking Shalene, hey, how much did you spend? And were you literally every single day writing down what the daily amount was spent? Did you get that obsessive with it? No, I wasn't. I, I just knew that 
We needed to stay at home and eat more, <laughs> eat, you know, eat more meals in. We still, even during this year, we still went on a family vacation because we didn't want to interrupt like the kids, you, you know, fun time. We always had the kids were playing sports at this time, so it was hard to travel, but we still went on our two trips. We still took them snowboarding. Now, did we stay in a fancy place? No, we went, you know, we did it because we were getting out of debt. You know, we weren't staying at the montage. We stayed at a lesser hotel, we, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we definitely dialed it back, but we didn't like, we didn't suffer and we didn't make the kids suffer, but we knew like, we didn't buy like extra clothes. We didn't, we didn't go out to dinner. So we, we cut back, but we didn't like, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want it, it like to, the whole family to be, maybe that's why the kids didn't understand or they didn't know because the, in, in their eyes, things didn't change. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's interesting that you didn't, you didn't share anything with them at the time. And I guess like every other parent, you just want to protect them from everything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but then, then, then the other side of it was, yeah, I am going to tell them and was just, mm -hmm. just on that, because I think, I think there's a lot of people that don't share things like this with their children. You know, they say mm -hmm. that they don't need to understand this. They don't need to know about it, but you chose a different route. Why, why is that for people that, you know, sort of like are in that situation? Because I, I didn't want them to ever fall into or, or feel like if, if they were going through something really tough that they couldn't get, get themselves out of it. And so I wanted to, once we were able to, really focus and come together, Shalene and I, and go, gosh, you know what? We came out the other side. We need to share this with our kids and we need to share this with other people to show them that it can be done. And I think that's probably the most important lesson is that, you know, no matter how hard it gets or how tough it gets, there's, there's always a way. You can always figure out a way to fix things and you get a second chance you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's in, in our case, it was just money. We can always make more money, but in our case, it was me keeping a secret from Shalene and lying to Shalene. And we really just wanted to tell the kids that, you know, dad had a problem and, you know, and, and Shalene's admittedly, and she talks about too, at the same time, she had a, like a workaholic addiction. She was addicted to work. So, um, she laughs about it now, but you just think about that. So she's a workaholic and just wants to make money, but she doesn't want to make money for a score. Like she's never, she's never been interested in like, Oh, we made this much money. She just, she keeps it as like, Oh, we did, we did really well type of thing. So she's doing that and I'm gambling. So it was like the perfect, it was like the perfect storm. Oh my God. I'm, and, I yeah. mean, it's like being an alcoholic and married to somebody who owns a bar. I mean, yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah, it's, it's okay. awesome at making craft cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it okay, I got it. All right, so let's let's move on past debt. Now we're moving into now we're picking up some steam. We don't mm -hmm. have any debt. We're clear. We cleaned it up. Now we're ready to go on to wealth creation. So mm -hmm. you know, 12 years ago, you hit the point where you got debt free somewhere around that range. And now you're into creating some wealth. What, what did you just like high level here? Like what, what's the strategy to have in place? What did you learn at that point in your life about it? What are you doing differently now? Just kind of like talk about that, that sort of area. Well, we started off first thing we did once we started to get to the positive, we opened up uh, investment 
account portfolio with the same financial advisor that we have today. We've been with him for 11, 11 years or so. Great guy, works for Merrill Lynch. And we just started to invest in not stocks, just kind of mutual funds, just kind of putting retirement stuff away. And we kind of set a policy to where we wanted to put away like every quarter an amount of money. And we did that. So just like we paid off our credit cards, we would always allocate either depending on the quarter between 15 and 20% of our money would go into our investment retirement portfolio. So that was kind of how we started how it um, has evolved is now we're very diverse where we have, you know, lots of, we're, we're young. And so I think when you're younger, you can, and you're, and you're working, you can be a little bit more um, aggressive. Whenever you meet with a financial advisor, they always ask you your, um, what's your risk. tolerance level? Yeah, your, your <laughs> yeah, risk, your risk, your risk tolerance. tolerance. Yeah. And so for the last like 10 years, it's been pretty high, Rob. Right. Yep. We, yep. we, we consistently make money. And so we've been able to kind of shift a little bit more to equities. And so in stocks and, and I, I follow some people and I, I have some set policies around stocks. And we also have invested in some real estate. So between real estate and stocks and mutual funds and some retirement ad- advantages that we do, we just consistently put money into those accounts and it it it's crazy how it grows. So is there a an allocation diversification or strategy around quarter, quarterly investing into any of those buckets? The strategy is that it becomes a habit. The other strategy is too is because of my background in gambling, I don't dabble with uh, like stock options or betting against the stock market or betting with the stock market. And I don't try to time the stock market because that seems to me like it would be falling into a pattern of, of gambling. So yeah. we just set a certain amount of percentage and, you know, uh, just like everything else, you have seasons in life, you have seasons in business. And I know when we're going to make you know, in the first quarter, we're going to make more money than we are in the second quarter. And wow, the third quarter is going to be amazing, but the fourth quarter is going to be light. So we just kind of allocate it that way. So, you know, maybe on the light quarters, we only put in 15%. And when the heavy quarters are, we put in 25%. And to date, and I, I don't mind sharing this with you because I, I, I'm a good American and I pay my taxes. We're eight figures in, in our investment portfolio and we're in eight eight figures in real estate. So amazing. Twelve years twelve years ago we were five hundred thousand dollars in debt and we're doing okay now. So do you hit a point where you feel and this is going to be like the opposite weird question, but I'm curious, do you hit a point where you feel like you don't have enough money and there's everybody around you that has more money and you just, you want more? Do you feel comfortable and happy with where you are or what? Talk to me a little bit about that. I I don't. I am very secure in who I am and who Shalene and I are. And I don't really get FOMO of other people or, or other people's money. And 
we have enough money, but we love what we do and we love helping people. And that's, that's kind of the reward of, of working. And my focus now is to make sure that the money that we've made and the money we've invested in made continues to make money. So my, my morning ritual and I've heard your morning ritual. You get up, use a uh, push journal, and you, you know you write down all your notes, and you get and you have your morning ritual. You have your cup of coffee, and my morning ritual is very similar. I get my push journal out. I get I open up my laptop, go straight to the uh, financial portion. I turn on the television. I watch CNBC. I drink my cup of coffee, and I spend an hour and a half to two hours just reading and studying. Um, what we're invested in and are we in the right thing? And so to me, I'm running my own race and we're doing just fine. And I don't really get, you know, I, I'm not looking to be looking to get a hundred million dollars or a billionaire or anything like that. I'm just hope I'm just going to make sure that our money is safe. Amazing. I mean, that, that is a real thing that a lot of people struggle with, whether they have a little bit or they have a lot. I've heard it from all kinds of people, you know, that they're always looking to go to the next level. So finding that, finding that happiness and peace with where you are is amazing. You know, certainly. Well, it's a great question because, because it wasn't that way with gambling. I would, I would gamble more and more. Like I, I didn't start off gambling thousands and thousands of dollars. I started off gambling 20 bucks. So there is, you know, the question was really good because it, it could have turned into like, oh, well, I'm just going to try to make more money and make more money and take riskier situations. And I, and I think with like a guy like Warren Buffett's kind of proven where it's just like the steady, you know, the steady marathon runner is going to win in the, in the investment portfolio, you know what I mean? Rather than the sprinter, because you're going to get tired and tuckered out and make some bad decisions. So I think it's just, it's the steady, steady game wins. Yeah for, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about real estate for a little bit. There's lots of different views on real estate. And some people, some people, um, I've got a, uh, one of the guys that's in my, uh, my mastermind. He's a real estate guy that only invests in Airbnbs. And he's, mm-hmm. he's becoming very, very wealthy doing that because of lots of different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because he, he can just get, um, much higher rent, much higher turnover, not a lot of complaints. Yep. And he's got a, a strategy for where he invests and how he does it, which part of the world, et cetera. And I've got people on the opposite end of the spectrum that, you know, I've got a guy in, in my mastermind, he's worth 50 million. And he said, I don't want to own my own home. I just don't yep. see, I don't see the math, how that works. What's mm-hmm. your thoughts on paying off your own home and where, if if you don't think you should pay off your own home, what kind of real estate do you think you should invest in? Well, those are great questions. And I think with real estate, it's always changing. So uh, in 1995, Shalene and I got married and we immediately, the first thing we did within the first six weeks is we bought a house. And we actually did when we sold that house. We we did okay. We we made some we made some money, and um, we bought another house, and then we bought another house, and now we're in our fourth house, and we've owned all our homes. What I'm going to tell my children, and what I've told them is, I don't think that they should buy a house. I think that if you look at the taxes that you pay, and the mortgage that you're going to pay, and the down payment 
that you have to pay. I think it's like, you, you know, for a first time buyer, it could be up to 20% down. Um, and if you're going to plan on living here in California, that's a lot of money. And I just think that there's better ways that you can invest that money. That's the key though. I'm sure your $50 million uh, worth mastermind person didn't take the the money that he would have put on a down payment or that he pays uh, would pay in property taxes and goes and just buys whatever he wants. He's probably investing in whatever he's investing in. And that would be my advice is like, if you aren't going to buy a house and you're going to rent, which I think is a, which is a good strategy, especially for the next generation that's coming up. I think you need to invest that money. So if you had a hundred thousand dollars set aside or 80,000 or 50,000, whatever it is to for a down payment in your house, invest that money. And I, you know, I think, and if you're just getting started and you're like, I don't know what I should invest in. Well, the easiest thing to invest in is just put the money into like a, a Vanguard fund that mirrors the S and P and you know, it's very diverse and it goes up. You can look, you can look at the last 10 years. It, it goes up every single, you know, every single year. Some years are good. Some years are kind of flat, but over, overall you're going to win with that strategy. Yeah. That's what Kim and I've been doing for the last 10 years. It's just simple and easy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my friend, my friend, uh, just for come full circle on that, he, uh, he invests in apartment buildings and uh, commercial. I think that's uh, a great, I think that's a great strategy. Great strategy. You can, and you can invest in, you can either do syndicated deals and, or, you know, which where you're getting into with a big group of people. Um, there's different stocks are called REITs. You can invest in, um, apartment complexes. Uh, it, it's, it's said that the baby boomers are, you got bells going on in the background. I love I, it. Well, welcome to Italy. <laughs> you you want to know, you want to know the funny thing? I don't even hear them anymore. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's been it's been two months since, he, and there's a freaking bell that goes off every. Some do every thirty minutes, and some do every hour, um, and it ends probably at midnight. It's a really, yeah. really weird thing to be around constantly. But I, I that's decided crazy. We'll leave it in for fun. Yeah, but the, so uh, apartment com- complexes are great. But the the other thing too that would be something to look into are retirement homes, retirement communities. They say that like 20, uh, 30 to 2050 or something like that for that 20 years, they're saying there's just not going to be enough spaces to, you know, put all the baby boomers. So, I mean, to, to be able to invest in something that, you know, supply and demand, there's going to be a lot of demand for those places. I mean, our parents are getting to that point and Shalene's parents were just here and they bought a house in a retirement community down in outside of Orlando, Florida. And they literally, there's like a waiting list for houses down there. God, it's crazy. So, it's absolutely yeah, I know. So crazy. It's, yeah. Well, so if Brett, you can this forecast- has been... Yeah, this has been this has been amazing. I can do a part three, four, five, and six with you. You are a really, really smart man, and I appreciate um, all of this information. I just felt like I needed to tie together some of that stuff because a lot of people who listen to the podcast were asking me questions about it, and I just didn't like. It's not my world, and I don't really understand it. And and I, I thought that you know a real life, a real live person who has been through this. Um, and certainly came out from that massive amount of debt to the amount of, you know, uh, real wealth and happiness that you've created now, uh, along with your beautiful wife, um, is just 
you know, it's just something incredible. So I, I really thank you for taking the time with us. And if uh, somebody wants to, you know, learn more, or has some has some questions. I know you're not selling anything on it. You don't have any products on it. But what's the best way to get a hold of you? And you know, what are you willing to do? Um, Instagram, um, okay. Brett Johnson Eleven with one T. And you know, I'm on my stories there. I'll give updates. Um, uh, just in the last three months, I'm always looking for ways to help investors and people that want to, um, start investing. And I'd love to give a plug. I don't get any commission or any affiliate fee or anything like that, but there's a company called the wealth front wealth front, like ocean front, but wealth front. And it's a great place. It's the highest interest rate to park your money. So if you have money in a savings, you know, Rob, you don't make any money with your money yep. in a checking or savings in a bank. They are the highest interest rate and there is no fees to take it out. There's no minimums. There's nothing to set up. It's an, it's an app. It's a great, go check it out. It's called wealth front and they're, um, they just surpassed the 20 billion dollar mark and they've been around for about a year thank you so much for everything yep thank you all right thanks for listening if you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.